Man, be intentional. Be intentional. And I would say be intentional with love. Not only love your spouse and love on your children, but love yourself. I told somebody the other day, as men, there's times where we can be, we can have an ego at times. We see somebody, a dude across the room, and this guy's looking at me, kind of giving the what's up, like, what the hell are you looking at? And then it's like, all right, bro, bro, what the hell are you looking at? Like, this guy's got a problem. Like, if you can address a stranger for something that you have no idea why he might be looking at you, whatever, you just kind of have attitude. Why are we not looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, bro, what are you looking at? Like, what, what can I do different? Like, love on yourself. Be man enough to love on yourself. Love your spouse. And if you have kids, love on your children. Yeah. So be, take time to be intentional. Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential, grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? Well, that's the big question. In this podcast, we'll help you answer those questions and more. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. The Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to Fallible Nation and warm welcome to our first time listeners. My name is Brent, and I want to read you a quote before we introduce our guest today. He goes, I don't sugarcoat things. My job isn't to make you happy. My job is to make you better. Your happiness will be a result of becoming better. Gentlemen, today my guest speaker is keynote speaker, leadership trainer, podcast host, Juan Alvarado. Juan, welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Honor's mine. Juan, I, I read that quote in your in your bio introduction page and I was like, Okay, yeah, we, we got to sync up. You, <laughs> you and I are going to get along That's just funny. fine. That's You're funny. on the right place for that. Now, one, we like to start things a little light. So how's your trivia? Oof. A mediocre at best. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Here we go. The trivia question of the show. What country ranks first in cereal consumption per capita? Is it the USA, Italy, Ireland, or the Philippines? I would think it'd be the USA. Okay. Now, guys, you know the story. Don't cheat. Don't go ahead to the end. Make your guess. Write it down. Whatever. Remember, don't write it down if you're driving. Just remember what your guess is. We'll come back to that later. One, the, the first question I always ask my guests, because I don't read accolades, right? That just doesn't tell people who you are. So today, right now, in your own words, who is Juan Alvarado? Oh, man. I am a person who strives to become better, not just for myself, but for my, my boys and my wife. Someone that will execute but never settle. Somebody who is, has the heart of a lion, but also has the heart of a loving father and... You're right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I can keep on going with, you know, I want to essentially go through the accolades of like army war veteran and ex police officer and, you know, teacher trainer and all kinds of other stuff. But when it comes down, I strive to be my best for my family, not to my family, but for my family. Okay. Now 
one. Sorry, and guys, if I you heard me throw him off a little bit, I'm playing with a new platform, so that's my fault. <laughs> I'm making this overly complicated because I don't have Sarah background <laughs> telling me how to do it right. This is what happens when my wife isn't on with me. Usually Sarah engineers in the background and pushes buttons. I don't think about it. When I get to play with it, I screw things up. Juan, what's a funny story your family tells about you that you'd like to share? Oh, man. A funny story. Shoot, there's probably a whole bunch. If my sisters were here, they would they would probably um, laugh at and be able to say. Um, I'll say this. My parents went out. My parents hardly went out for, for dates. And there was a night that they went out on a date. And uh, I was with my dad watching my dad get ready. I was probably four or five years old. And I was watching him get ready and shave and put on a tie. And, like, they would just, you know, get dressed to the nines. And so, like, we got ready. They left. We were watching TV, me and my sisters. And then I decided to go use the restroom where my dad was at. And when I used the restroom, I washed my hands. And on the sink was this shiny thing that I saw him use to shave his face. So I decide I'm going to go shave my face. And come back thinking I was a new man. And my sister looks at me with these big old huge eyes. It was like, what did you do? And I'm like, what? And she's like, did you see your face? And I had a beard of blood on my face. And I'm like, not even freaking out. Like, what are you talking about? And she gets me and I'm not old enough to or tall enough to see the mirror over the sink. And so she lifts me up and I see my face and immediately see the blood and start to cry and bawl my eyes out. And my sister, I just remember her pacing back and forth, like, what the heck are we going to tell mom and dad? What are we going to tell mom and dad? And yeah, swore to myself that I would never shave again. And then lo and behold, end up joining the military where I had to shave my face every single day. <laughs> but uh, that's the best thing I can come up with from the from my memory right now. Right. It's, they're never around, right? To tell that story when you want them to. Yeah. <laughs> What's one just absurdly weird fact about you? Oh, man. I don't know necessarily if it would be weird, but I've met four U.S. presidents. Okay. That's very yeah. cool. Not many people can say that. Yeah. What purchase of $100 or less have you made in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? Yo, uh, let's see. Oh, geez. Man, I don't know. Biggest impact on my life? I got something. So my boys are in football, basketball, and track, and we bought like exercise rubber bands and stuff. And there's times where I'll come home, and my boys, there's times where they're totally focused, and then there's times where they're totally lazy, like they're teenagers, right? But it's cool because there's times where my boys will get the the bag of rubber bands, and they're like, they'll throw them at me, and they're like, let's go work out. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what What got into you? Like, what the heck? And so, and there's times where I've come home, and they're fully on working out which is cool because it's kind of let me know that i'm doing a pretty good job where they're working out because they want to get better i like it i like it i'm i'm big into working out so it's always good to see your kids want to move along with that and follow the example for sure how old are your boys 15 14 and 11 okay so you have your hands full right now yeah for sure do okay what is an insult or something somebody insulted you that you received that you're actually proud of i had somebody say man i can't remember how they said it but i'm a i'm a, 
a war veteran and somebody called me um well one a liar wasn't like proud of that because I'm I'm not but basically said that I love my country too much and I was like mm. I don't know how I mean I wanted to survive and I wanted to come back if that's what you <laughs> if that's what you mean by loving your country I had a I had a it's a United States flag on the front and on the back it basically says when you disrespect the flag you disrespect the people who fought for for our country and I can hear them talking in the background and I'm pretty proud of doing what I did overseas. Did it have some issues in, and stuff in the long run, like PTSD and stuff like that? Absolutely. But I don't know that I would take anything back. What branch were you in? Uh, Army. Army. Of course, then there's the ever loving inner branch teasing that goes on, right? Yo, for sure. For sure. Yes. What What would be... What would be military guys and, 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 and women getting together without a little bit of a trash I, talk? I've got a cousin that was a Marine, a brother who was in the Navy, and two brothers who were in the Army, and I was in the Air Force. So it, it gets really fun. Oh, for, oh I bet. I bet. There, there's I a lot bet of trash talking. For sure. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall during those conversations. What is your biggest failure, and what did you learn from that experience? Oh man, I would say one of my biggest failures, getting serious a little bit, was not going to get help through the VA fast enough. I always thought that nothing was the matter, right? And not wanting to kind of speak into existence that I had PTSD and depression and stuff like that. And like, no, I, I can do this alone. And which was funny because then you end up finding out and and reminiscing of, You've never done anything by yourself. You might have thought that you could do it by yourself, but you were in the military. You had battle buddies and you went and you had a group of men that you were with. You never went out alone. You always like you've always done stuff with other people. What makes you think that you can do this by yourself? And I think that was a big, big mistake. And my wife and I, I, I tell people I, I can count on one hand and still have fingers left over of how many times my wife and I have argued like really bad arguments and this time was one of them and she, i remember her yelling at me and saying i just want you to go get help if you can fight for everybody else then you can fight for us mm. and that was like the huge like swallow a pill sideways slowly down your throat kind of kind of feeling and i'm glad that those incidences happened because then it pushed me to kind of where i am today oh man like i i can Feel the swallow on that one alone. That's mm -hmm. one of the most profound things a wife could throw at you. That's uh, oh, for sure. It, it sounds like yeah. you did very well then in that department. She's an amazing woman. Obviously, <laughs> she can yeah. she can push back when she needs to push back. That's that's a very yeah. valuable trait. And she doesn't very often. And during the, one of those times, I told her like, "I'm glad that you said as much as I told you to drop drop it, drop it, drop it. Like you pushed, you pushed, you pushed. And at that time, I didn't want it." but I know that I needed it. Mm. Amazing how the right partner makes a huge, huge difference in life, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yep. Yeah, for sure. What's something everyone should know about you before we dig into today's show? That I'm not perfect. However, I would say that I don't know a lot, um, but I know a lot about a little. Like, I don't know everything, but I know a lot about a little. When it comes to, you know, my parenting and my marriage and my, my personal and professional development, like, I've, in a good way, sold out in the sense of like, I want to be the best that I can be. So let me get the right people around me, read the right books, go to the seminars, do everything that I can 
because I don't know everything, but I do know a lot about a little. A lot about a little. It's a good place to start. Guys, yeah. we've been getting to know Juan just a little bit and finding out who he is and what he's about. In the next part of the show, we're going to dive into Juan's story a little more and explore the concept of leading from your strengths. We're going to go to our sponsor right now, and we'll be right back with more from Juan on Alvarado. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to share with you guys, I don't always tell you how much I love doing my podcast. Like, I passionately love what I'm doing. And one of the things that makes my life better as a podcaster is to work with a company like Grow Your Show. Grow Your Show is a one-stop podcast do-it-all. Now, I use Grow Your Show for my marketing, but Grow Your Show is literally a one-stop shop. You can record your episode and just drop it off with them, and they take it from there. It's amazing. If you are interested in picking up podcasting as a hobby, or maybe you're looking to expand your business and use podcasting in that aspect, talk to my friends over at Grow Your Show. Adam will take care of you. I guarantee it. I trust him. He's my friend. He's my business colleague, and I wouldn't trust anybody else with my show. Guys, welcome back. In the first part of the show, we spent some time just getting to know who Juan is, what makes him tick, what he's like a little bit. In this part of the show, we're going to dive into Juan's story and explore the concept of leading from your spring strengths and talking about leading your family. Now, Juan, this is why I don't do one of the other reasons I don't do big introductions, because like that's a whole separate thing than what got you here. So tell us the story behind Juan Alvarado because you've served in the military, you're a family man, you got a lot going on. How do we get here? Yeah, so so a couple different things. So we you talked specifically about, you know, strengths and one of the things in my in my bio or that I I don't think I don't know if that I put it in in this bio, but I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. Uh, Gallup has a, an assessment called uh, Clifton Strengths and it it brings out your um, your natural strengths and what makes you, you. And so at, in my nine to five, I worked for a nonprofit with youth, which is I'm just really passionate about, about youth and their upbringing. And I became a director of, of programs for 17 schools and 200 staff and all kinds of different things. And I got a, a an evaluate, I get evaluated by all 200 staff and uh, I got 199 really good evaluations. I had one that was horrible. And it didn't sit right with me. I had my boss saying, and everyone else, mentors and things like that saying, bro, you have 199 above average, close to all excellent evaluations. Why are you getting bent over this one? And I'm like, because it's a relationship thing. Like I hire this person. I've been training this person. I've elevated and and, um, promoted this person. And now there's an issue and I want to know why, like we were fine all the way through. Why, why now? What, what am I not doing? And so it was not so necessary. I can get better, but I wanted to be able to help her. And so I went and took the assessment and then I got like, just totally engaged in it, wanted to learn more. And I found out that you could be a trainer. So I started to train in it. And then I started to train all of our staff and my CEO and things like that. Well, then another organization asked me to speak and do a training. And then I started telling them about strengths. And then I started doing another thing, doing training and keynoting. And then I got paid for that. And then all of a sudden I was like, I, I can do this. I had somebody come up and tell me like, you're a really good speaker and you can train and you motivated us. 
I have a buddy who's looking for a keynote speaker. Do you want to do the job? He'll pay you like two grand. And I was like, sure. And then the door started to open up. Can you train our staff? Can you talk at this place? Can you come to this conference? And so I started speaking when my income started to surpass my nine to five. I went to my boss and I was like, y'all need to give me a raise or you need to like uncuff me a little bit more so I can do more within the organization. And uh, they're like, if you need to walk, then go ahead and walk. And so I did. And so now I get to travel and teach uh, people in the leadership space, leadership, uh, teamwork, team cohesion, how to be intentional leaders. And that's kind of branched out into, you know, coaching some other people. And how do you be an intentional father? How do you be an intentional husband? How do you work in your purpose towards a purpose on purpose uh, to become better? And I use strengths in that as well. Um, that's kind of like the advanced part of it. But yeah, this is where we are. It's it's just a whole bunch of intentionality. How If I'm not intentionally getting better, then I might be accidentally getting worse. Did you ever get it resolved with her? Or her, her, or him? Or the one? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, great. Great follow-up question. We'd worked it out and she made the comment at one point, this might be my last year here. And so our CEO said, cool, we'll walk you through the process. And so we walked her through the process and we eventually let her let her go. We found, and I found that just because you're good at your job doesn't mean that you're gonna be good in a leadership position. She was really good with, uh, but she wasn't really good with adult staff. So she could pour into students, she just couldn't pour into adults. And so we just had this, it was just weird. We had like this rotation of staff coming in and, and quitting or asking for a transfer. And then we kind of found out that the issue was more the leadership, which was her. And so then I, I always ask myself if they're doing wrong, what am I, what am I doing? Like, that's always a, a question that I ask, like even with my kids, when my kids, you know, talk back or have an issue at school or whatever it is, I'm thinking, what did I do to make them think that that was okay? So I, as a leader, it's always that hard pill to swallow, but how do, how can I take responsibility? Even if I have 1% in that situation, how can I take a hundred percent of that 1%? And then how do I, how do I get better in that? And so I took some blame in that or responsibility, I should say in, in that, but yeah, we ended up letting her go in the long run. Blame, blame and responsibility are, there's that thin line and it's generally based on who's saying it. So Right, right. <laughs> if it's a critic of you, it's it's blame. If it's a fan, it's you're taking responsibility. So right, that really careful fine line. Now you're you're also a podcaster, right? So tell me about yes. the, is it the relevant development podcast? Yeah, like yeah, the relevant development. Yeah, yeah. The and it's funny because I went to I went to two seminars and I listened to a couple. Um, professional development podcast and professional and personal development podcast. I remember saying like, I spent 1200 bucks to go to this conference or I spent $500 to go to this conference, saved up, you know, this money to go. And I'm like, there was nothing there. Like it was all fluff. It was like motivation. Like you can motivate somebody to go lift 300 pounds, but once they get to the gym, guess what? They actually have to lift the weight. Right. So, and then I can't go and lift the weight and then you gain the muscle and the, and the fitness from it. Like, that's just not how it works. And so I would just get upset and I was like, I just want my, the development piece to be relevant to me. And then I was like, Hey, that, that rhymed. And I was like, cool. 
I want to be able to put on a podcast that I would have wanted. And so the relevant development podcast came in. It's like, I want you to be able to go to a place where your development is relevant. And so, yeah, the podcast started where we do everything personal and professional development. So there's times where I talk to the leadership. So managers and directors and CEOs. And then there's times where I have an employee viewpoint and, you know, kind of try to light the fire under the employee, try to light the fire underneath the, underneath the boss, if you will. And then there's times it's like where I see them as one where it's like, okay, how do I work on myself? And so, yeah, I have some special guests on Wednesdays. And then on Mondays we do uh, like a Monday mindset. How do I get ready for Monday or for the week? So there's, uh, we try to put out two episodes a week. Okay. How long have you been doing it? More more consistently this last year, but off and on for two. So I think we're like 55 episodes in and I'm getting ready to end season two and start season three, but I already have season three and half of season four already recorded. So okay. we're good to go. Well, Hey, I mean, you, you hit the big hurdle. Once you get past 10 episodes, like <laughs> I've heard, um, I've heard that that's the, that's the, that's one big, uh, pivot point for people. Uh, it's either you make it or you don't. People have to aren't who are out. It's like anything, right? If you're not in it, you don't know. People who aren't in the podcasting space like, oh, yeah, podcasting. Yeah, most shows don't make it past 10 episodes. So, hey, any show that makes it past, you're well on your way. Yeah. And 55 plus, yes. you're getting ready to start a new season. Great. So congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. That's very cool. Now, you talked a little bit about leading from your strengths. I didn't know Gallup did anything other than a poll like mm -hmm. if i i read the word gallop i was like wait those, those are the people who do like polls and stuff yep. right it's... yep yeah so a lot of data a lot of data a lot of a lot of research behind those those things it's uh people will call them character assessments i don't i don't feel that it's it's a because you have like the four love languages mm -hmm. and then you have like there's colors and numbers and enneagrams and all this other stuff uh and then you have the disc assessment which is up there Myers-Briggs assessment, that's up there. But the Clifton Strengths assessment to me is, I've done all of mm -hmm. them. This is on just a whole different level. And now they have, they have, they have it for students or for kids. Uh, I think it's like ages 10 to 15 or 16. And then they have one for students that's higher, like high school age. Uh, they have the assessment for adults 18 and older. And then they just released Strengths for leaders, strengths for managers, and then strengths for those people in sales. Yeah, so it's it's really cool to help you not only in your like personal development, but in your professional development as well. Are those like free on their side or something? Yeah, I wish they were free. They, I think, I want to say the one for kids is like nine ninety nine. The one for students, I think, is nineteen ninety nine. There's a top five, mm -hmm. so you have your top five strengths. I think that's twenty bucks, and then your full report, which is thirty four strengths. That report, I think, is like 49 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that. I was, I was curious, like, wow, they're, they're, you're dropping some big names on some of those assessments. It's like, mm. hey, I want a free place to take some of those. <laughs> Disc assessment yeah, I wish not it was free. a cheap assessment to take and have reviewed. So, that's yeah, I had no idea they did that, honestly. Like, it, yeah. it all the only point of reference I've ever had on Gallup was I knew they did different surveys, polls, kind of things. And, mm -hmm. You hear it around election times, but otherwise, you know, I know from doing research enough that they do polls on other things. So I was like, oh, okay. Right. They do polls. Cool. I, I didn't know they did those yeah. assessments. That's very cool. So you learn something new every day, right? Yeah. So you spent, you got certified in 
leading from your strings. Explain the concept, right? Because a lot of people are scratching their head right now. I know I, I was like, okay, what what does that exactly mean? What does that entail? Yeah. It's, yeah. So, so Don Clifton was the person trying to figure out why successful people are successful. And he didn't want to do, because everybody was doing it from a like CEO, um, Forbes 100 type of like platform. How are those people successful? But his thought was, there's people successful that do other things. There are successful teachers. There are successful custodians. There are successful doctors and teachers. Like, how do we get all these different professions? And so he went to and got and surveyed all these different professions, all these different classes, as far as like low income, middle income, high income, uh, from all different countries, all different age groups, males and females. And then he said, wow, everybody seems to have these 34 different strengths, but everybody uses a different top five. So everybody inside of us have these 34 strengths and they're, they're split into four different domains. So executing strengths, influencing strengths, relationship building strengths, and strategic thinking strengths. And so all those 34 strengths are, there's like, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever in, in each kind of domain. And, uh, they're very specific. So like my first one is strategic thinking, uh, and then I have responsibility, which is an executing theme, um, relator, which is a relationship building theme. Uh, then I have, um, achiever and activator, which are, um, another one is an executing theme. And then the other one is an influencing theme. And so I understand how my mind works, like strategic thinking. I'm it's the best way to think of strategic, um, as a, strength is think of a Rolodex and some people are like, what the hell is a Rolodex? <laughs> but just think of like a Rolodex of um, avenues of approach, right? How do, how, how do we get from point A to point B? And then your thought process in milliseconds says, we can go this way, this way, this way, this way. We can leave at this time, this time, this time, this time. Oh, I got the best, I got the best route that we can take, right? The, we have practice, basketball practice here, and then we have, you know, football practice over here, and then we got to go grocery shop, shopping, and we got to do this, this, and this all by whatever, five o'clock. I already have where we're going, what we're doing, in which order in a matter of seconds, because I've strategically thought it through when other people are probably thinking, well, we could do this, or we could do that. So now when the family needs something, babe, we have 10 things to do. What do we do? So my wife knows that's not my strength. That's his strength. Let me get him to, to do it. And we find this even in workplaces, right? So on our, you know, Christmas party committee, they're like, we need a strategic thinker. We need somebody who has this strength. So they like, there's a strength called includer. These people always, hence includer, includes people that I don't think of. I don't have that strength. It's actually like 32. So all the way down, like it's almost dormant. And there's times where people are like, how come you didn't invite so-and-so? I'm like, didn't know they needed to be here. It's not my strength. So how do I, on a team, involve the people who should be there in this meeting based on their strengths? And I think a big thing about it too is like people are always telling like bosses or employees need to have empathy. Empathy is one of those strengths and not everybody has empathy. So how am I going to ask somebody to be empathetic if they don't have this strength in them? They have to be able to utilize one of their top five strengths like empathy. But what do you do? You can't request something of somebody who doesn't have that strength. And so 
it really gets interesting to figure out how do I become this person that I'm not so other people can feel whatever, safe or heard or understood or whatever. But a big, a big thing that Gallup did with strengths is they did a poll, right? Because that's what they're known for. 51% of people who leave the workplace leave because of their manager. So that tells us that leadership aren't doing their job in their position. So how do we build up our leaders so that good staff stay? And so then what I've done with strengths is how do my wife and I have a really good relationship knowing her strengths? My boys have taken the assessment. How do I understand my boys? And for anybody who have three or more children, we all have heard, and you probably know this, and I don't know what lineup you are in your in the midst of your siblings, but there's this what we call middle child syndrome, right? Those are the people that we pray for because they're weird and out there. I'm just kidding. So I I just didn't, never knew how to get in touch with my middle son. And after he took the strength assessment, I'm like, oh, this is why you do what you do. This is how I connect with you. And so it's really eye-opening to understand strengths what everybody's strengths are, because there's a reason why we bump heads with each other, because some things offend other people and other things don't. Some people thrive in certain things and other people don't. And so when you know like their DNA in a sense of their character, then you can speak their language pretty much. Oh my goodness. You just opened a whole new avenue for me. I, <laughs> I, I actually like teach relationship courses. <laughs> so okay. that's that's one of the things I focus on is I'm good at helping people connect with the relationships. And so that's one of the things I do in my coaching is help with relationship coaching for men, how to establish really real authentic connections with the people in their lives. Right. This is just a whole a whole different direction. I haven't even gone with it yet. It's like, oh, my goodness. Now I got to go learn all that because. Yo, it's to me, it's it's worth it for sure. It's worth it. I can totally see the Absolutely. value just listening to you talk about it. It's like, oh my goodness, that's like, okay, that's got to be added now. I gotta, I gotta yeah, learn for that sure, stuff. for sure. Yeah, that's very cool. And you applied it to your family as well as to the professional world, which yeah. is very cool. Uh, I always like I, I hear people talk about things, and then I ask them about their family, and they're like, yeah, uh, okay. Well, and I think they go hand in hand. How how do my if I can't lead myself, then how am I leading my family? And if I can't lead my family, then how am I leading people at work? Or how can you lead people at work but not your family? Yeah, and not your and not yourself. And so, yeah, you just have to be honest, right? There's a saying that says, uh, "How can you lead yourself if you're lying to yourself?" Like you need to be truthful in, "Hey, I'm not really good at this, and this is something that I need to maybe dig in a little bit deeper to find out, or how how can I become a little bit better in this." Actually, this segues is perfectly to where I want to go because I want to start talking a little more about family and that relationship in family. You make an interesting statement about parenting and leaders and parents usually are done from two different extremes, but we stay away from that middle ground. Can you, can you share that idea with us a little bit? Yeah. So growing up in a Mexican house, household, both my parents grew up... Um, Born and raised in Mexico, came to California, migrated over here, picked fruit up and down California, Washington, Oregon, um, and they had a tough life, v physically abused, verbally abused. You were working. If you could walk, you could work is basically what it, what it was. And so I learned very young, right? If you can reach the sink, you're washing your dish, right? 
if you can push a lawnmower, you're mowing the lawn. So there I am, you know, six, seven years old, pulling weeds and washing dishes and stuff. And when you complained, you got smacked. Like that's just how it was. So there's that extreme, right? And then you have the other side where you see that kid at, you know, Walmart or Target throwing a fit, screaming bloody murder because they want a candy or a gum or a toy. And the parent is like, just take it. Or, hey, Johnny, we don't do that right now. And this is not how we. And it's like, sometimes you need discipline. And you and I try to tell people that you can still discipline through love. I never understood when my mom used to say, uh, spanking you hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> did you feel the wrath of the freaking belt you just put across my back? Like, what the heck? I could admit that I spanked my boys from a very a short window of time where I realized, bro, if you didn't like this, then why are you doing this to your own kid, right? And it was like, you don't talk back and you don't do this, and right? And so there had to have been a better way to go about it. And so I immediately stopped because I wanted to have a better relationship with my boys, right? And I knew that my relationship with my mom wasn't great because of that piece, because of the verbal piece, because of the physical piece. And so, and I love my mom. She lives right down the road from me and I have her high school picture tattooed on my forearm. So it's not like we have a bad relationship. Uh, she's one of the reasons why I joined the military. I'll tell you that. I was like, I'm out of here. Peace out. Sign it out of line 18. I'm gone. But when you boil it down, why would I want my kids to leave me? Like we live in a society where we've told people tell their kids when you're 18, you're out. Why would we want to kick our kid? Like kids can't even barely tie their shoes or feed themselves. And we're going to kick our kids out at 18. If And so I told my wife and she agrees, like if my kid wants to stay with us past 18 and they're not ready, that's okay. I get another year or two to instill in them how to become a better man, how to, how to take care of themselves, how to take care of a spouse, how to take care, like how to be better. But we all automatically want to push our kids out at 18. I was a huge believer of that. And then I started to think of like, maybe that's not the right thing. Like, why do we want to do that as, as society? So they can learn. Well, who's best to teach them? Like if your answer that other people te are going to teach them better than you, then maybe they should be out of your house a lot quicker. Like the best, we should know what's best for our children. And if you're not the best leader for your kids, then who is? And so, so there's these two extremes. And I was like, why can't we do something that's in the middle? And so, yeah, do I raise my voice at my boys? Absolutely. But when I raise my voice, I do it with purpose and intentionality. My son just the other day was saying like, God, what the heck, man? Like he was just totally ticked off. And I said, what's the matter? And he was like, freaking basketball, like something just feels off. And so I said, yeah, let's look at your numbers. He's only played four or five games. The season just started. He had eight game. He had eight points, four points, two points, two points, one point. Those have been the games. He's like, why am I going down? And I said, what are you living for? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, did you have purpose today? Like you're playing basketball just to play basketball. Are you playing basketball to execute on the things that you've just learned? And then I start to go like, I asked him about his day and he's like, I kind of just let the day come to me. I'm like, so you're letting the day attack you instead of you attacking your day. And so we're doing this in this motivational kind of talk. And he knows me, right? I'm a speaker. Like that's what I do. But I use things with purpose and intentionality. When people say, go to your room, right? Kids arguing or whatever. You know what? Go to your room. I tell my kids, go to your room. 
but I do it with purpose and intentionality. If I tell my son, go to your room, and we established this ahead of time. We have this perfect talk when they were going through adolescence, 11, 12 years old. I said, listen, there's going to be a point in the next couple of years where you are going to hate me. And they're like, what? Like, you're my hero. And I'm like, yeah, wait till you get to your teenage years. You're going to get to a spot where you don't like me, where I don't know anything. You know everything. You're going to cuss at me in your head. Don't let it come out of your mouth. But you're going to have these thoughts of dad's stupid. Dad doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, dad's this, dad's that, or mom or whatever. And I want to establish a foundation. If and when I ever tell you to go to your room, what's good for you is also good for me. You go to your room and I myself am going to go to my room too. And here's the reason why. If we're in the living room, the common area of most arguments, right? Kitchen, living room, dining area. That place should be, should signify togetherness and family. We will not argue in a place that's supposed to be a place where we break bread with each other, where we spend time with each other and where we're supposed to have like family time. You go to your room and I will go to my room. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So you go to your room, I go to my room and we chill and we have that argument by ourselves. I'm sure we've all had an argument with our spouse or a friend or someone. We're like, man, I should have said this and I would have said this. And man, if we had this argument again, I would have done this. You run through those things and you, you start to ask yourself, what is the message that I'm trying to get across? And you kind of wait it out. Things are never said correctly in the spur of the moment. So let that time go by. We think it out. We talk it out. I have to think, what's the message that I want him to learn? I want him to understand what's the lesson that he needs to learn or that he wants to, he wants to communicate. And then here's the next part is then I go to his room because his room is his safety is his refuge. I'm sure when you want to go and relax, you go on the couch or if you have a TV in your room or you have a comfortable bed at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I just, it's relaxing. Your room should be a place of rest. So that's why we go to our respective rooms. But when I go to his room, that's his safety place. And I go into his territory where he feels comfortable because if I have this conversation in the living room and there's still a little bit of a grudge or an, or an issue, that's still the place of togetherness. I don't want to taint the area of togetherness because if once I ever leave his room, He's still going to be like, cool, bye. Like, let me just chill for a bit. But he's still going to feel safe in his room because that's his. He has a sense of ownership there. So when I go to his room, I, I tell him, I'm going to go and I'm going to lead by example. Let me take responsibility for me. I shouldn't have raised my voice or I should have said this or should have said this or whatever. But right now, this is what I want or whatever. I kind of take responsibility first. But then I'm like, I want to hear your side of things. Because as a kid, my mom or dad tell me, Shh, no, I don't want to hear it. Where were you? I was with Michael. No, no, I don't want to hear it. It's like, you just said, you just asked me a question. Now you're telling me that you, you want me to shut up. Like, I hated being cut off. So if I wanted a voice, then I need to give my kid their voice. And so I like pretend I get a mic and like test one, two, test one, two here. I want to know your heart. I want to know what you're feeling and be forward. Like be, be honest and, and honor me. We can still honor one another, but in honor comes honesty. So I want my son to be honest. I'm okay with you using some language. You're not going to cuss. But if you say, bro, dad, this sucks. Say it. 
If you say, dude, dad, you pissed me off. Say it. Like, I want to hear your heart. There's no need for cussing because that doesn't do anything. But if you need a way to explain yourself and you're using like, this is crappy or whatever. Cool. You can do that. But I want to understand you. And there's times where he's like, I think the punishment is too severe. I think it's dumb. Okay. Why? Because when Lincoln, his brother got in trouble, he only got this, but I'm getting this. And so we talk it out. And I'm like, there's times where I'm like, oh shoot, you're right. There's times where your kids will be right and you will be wrong. And the biggest thing that we can do as men or as parents is saying, that's my bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. And, but then we have the conversation, but we, we also understand that when I parent, I'm parenting and the tool that's going to be used is discipline, but where we're going is relationships. I never want my relationship to be tainted with my wife or my kids. So the discipline might be, Hey, you're going to pull weeds tomorrow, but you're doing it with me and we're going to spend time together, right? There's a discipline piece, but it's headed towards relationships. We're spending time together. You know what? You didn't get a workout in today. We're running, but I'm running with you. But there's going to be times where I'll go with you. I ain't going to run like this is your punishment, not mine. However, I'm going to spend time with you and then we'll probably get a bite to eat or whatever. Go grab a smoothie or whatever. And then we're going to talk. But there still has to be discipline. You can still discipline through love. But do what you do with intentionality and purpose. Guys, we've been discussing Juan's story a little bit and exploring the concept of leading from your strengths and how that applies and talking about your family and working with your family. More importantly, leading your family. In the next part of the show, we're going to dive in. Juan's just going to start walking us through how we can effectively lead our families from our strengths. And maybe we've learned a little bit about how to identify those. But we're going to go into that a little bit more. We're going to roll to our sponsor. and We'll be right back with more from Juan Alvarado. How well do you sleep at night? Do you toss and turn and wake up more tired than when you went to bed? Sleep is commonly one of the critical elements people fall short on in their life. The quality of sleep you get directly affects your ability to control your weight, your ability to add muscle, your stress levels, and your everyday job and life performance. If you're ready to move to the next level, then sleep has to be part of the plan. Check out our friends at ghostbed.com if you're ready to get your best sleep. I love my ghost bed. I've been sleeping on one for a couple of years and has made a huge difference in how I sleep. Hit ghostbed.com and use the code thefallibleman30 to get 30% off your order and start getting better night's sleep tomorrow. Now, let's go on to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. In the last part of the show, we were listening to a little bit of what Juan's story is and how he got here and exploring this concept of leading from your strengths and talking about leading your family. In this part of the show, we're going to discuss how you can lead your family in a positive way without the extremes necessarily. And Juan, why don't we start right in here with how do you parent or lead in your marriage? So more lead in your marriage than parent, probably not the right word that is different than what you saw growing up and what you see a lot of now. Yeah. So growing up, I think I mentioned it earlier that I never really saw my parents go and go out. We went out, if we went out to eat, it was for birthdays only because right? we didn't grow up with a whole lot of money. So we would only go out to eat for birthdays and then my parents for like their anniversary. And every once in a while, they would go on a marriage retreat. I remember seeing that as a kid. We didn't see a whole lot of affection. I mean, we saw them kiss every once in a while, but nothing too, nothing too big. And I know that my wife and I have a really good relationship for a couple of different reasons. I made a promise to her that I would make her smile and laugh every single day. And the reason why that was, was two reasons. One, she had shared with me that 
she saw her parents go through a lot of crap and her parents almost, you know, leaving each other and things like that. And so she saw that and that hurt her that the man that she looked up to broke his wife's heart, you know, her mom's heart. And so I don't want her to feel that way. Let that let that be her parents relationship at the time. Her parents are still married. They're great. They're hilarious. But during that time was detrimental to her. And so knowing that I never want to be able to do that to her. The other part being is being deployed is I saw a lot of crap. And I realized that life is too precious and too short to argue over some BS stuff or to do anything negative, right? And so I have learned that women should su submit or the wife should submit to the husband. However, the husband also needs to submit and honor his wife as well. And so what I, when you look up the word submit in biblical terms, it, it, it means to help or helper, right? So how does my wife help me, right? So don't get people don't not, don't get sold on the, the definition that you think of the word submit, right? It's to, to help, right? It's a helper. So how does my wife help me to be the best man that I can be? And in not, I shouldn't say, and in return, but also how do I help my wife become the best woman or the best wife and the best mother that she could be? And, and some of that is happiness, right? How do I help my wife smile and laugh and help, you know, help her. And so she's more of a coffee drinker than I am, but I will make coffee for her in the morning and I'll pour her coffee. She takes a, I think every woman does this like this big, huge jug of like water. I don't know if you've ever seen those like memes or like the videos of like when women get into the car and it's like their bag and like all kinds of stuff into their car. Uh, I help her to the car. And because I work from home and do the podcast and lead and do virtual stuff, um, she leaves for the day and I walk her to her car, I open up the garage door. I watch her back the car out and, I, you know, say I love you, blow her kisses sometimes where she's playing music and the windows are down and I do a little shimmy, a little dance, right? While the garage door closes and I can see her cracking up and flashing the headlights, you know, egging me on. And that's our dynamic. My job is to make her smile and laugh to have her, so she could have a good day. She's an accountant for a school district. And so if you've ever looked at spreadsheets and numbers, just looking at a spreadsheet will stress you out. Like, and she does that for a living. So how do I put her in the best place so she can perform better? Right. And so I text, uh, things like that. I had a buddy one time and just, and I, I was teaching him and I taught myself. He was doing uh, some things that he shouldn't be doing outside of his marriage. And he was like, I just want to text this other girl. And I said, what would you text her? So open up a, a blank text and text her all the things that you would want to text her. And I said, instead of sending it to person X, send it to your wife. And he's like, why? I'm like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to tell your wife all those desires and fantasies and love you stuff to your wife? And so I started to think, why aren't you sending really cool, sexy messages to your wife? Like, just open it up and just do it. So then I started to text my wife little by little. And it's like, it is... I mean, if, if I can get serious, I mean, we're, we're, this is not a rated G no, podcast, right? <laughs> but it, but it's like foreplay ha can happen all day. Like, tell her how sexy she is. Tell her how beautiful she is. Tell her I can't wait till you come home. I'm making dinner tonight, whatever it is. Like, I, hey, do you, are you interested in a bath? Running water for a bath when you get home. 
like why why not do that stuff and i was like oh man like i give this dude advice and i'm really giving myself advice um but it's just again it goes back to intentionality if i want my life my wife to love to love me more or put me in a position of power more then i also need to give her power as well i need to fill her up so she can then return and give me that that power as well right and so i try to be a good parent i try to be a good partner I try to have good physical performance, like go to the gym and, and, and work out and then be a provider, right? How do I make that money? And if I can do those four things, she's going to start looking at me a little bit differently, right? And so she loves when I go pick up my boys from school or take them to practice or pick them up or whatever, help them with their homework. She looks over and I'm, and I'm working with my boys. Like when you can do those four P's, that is, that's huge, right? For, for her. And then knowing her strengths and then knowing her love language, because I wanted to know that too. Again, but just being pos positive in, a, in the right direction and being purposeful. And then having intentional time. I hate scheduling things. I mean, I love scheduling things, but I hate to do it when it comes to our relationships. Like I know people that are like, all right, we're having sex on a Tuesday and next Wednesday. I'm like, how do you do that? That's weird to me. Like, let it happen naturally or whatever. So I'm not saying that if you want to do that, you could, we don't do that. Uh, however, we might plan, Hey, what is next, next Wednesday? Can I go take you lunch on next Wednesday? Can I go pick you up for lunch at work on next Wednesday? When's our date for, for the, for the month? Like you should be going out on a date monthly, a little weekend get getaway, even if it's down the street for a hotel quarterly and yearly, you should be going on a vacation. I know that might be tough for people financially, but then you purposely save or purposely sell stuff down downgrade your 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 uh, closet if you will and and go through it and sell stuff or whatever your your marriage should be your priority okay big time it took me a long time to figure out like my wife and i've been married for 22 years and congratulations oh, thank you we we didn't actually start going out on dates after the kids were born until probably a year ago mm -hmm. and then it was like what have we been doing? <laughs> Why were we not doing this before? Right. And, and be, and be cool with it. Like you, like I started thinking, what, what did I do when we were dating? The buying the flowers or writing the notes, leaving it on the car. There's times where I've gotten slapped on the wrist for this one. I'll go and like write her a note and put it, put it in the car, like on her steering wheel or on her window. And she's like, that was so sweet, but you came all the way over here and we, we could have had lunch or you didn't stop by and say hi. I'm like, I thought I was doing a cool, like romantic thing by putting, you know, the notes on the dash or whatever. But, but what did you do when you guys were first dating? Like do that stuff. You know, it doesn't always have to be a movie where there's no conversation, right? Go to a dinner. Uh, if you live in the same town where you first met, take, go, like go there. Like it just, just be, be different, be spontaneous, but do it with purpose. Right. People, it's one of the things as men we struggle with is understanding women, women are a, Right. I, I I always laugh about the old example. Someone told me one time, like, women are like diesel engines. They take a long, <laughs> long time to warm up, but they're, man, they're, they're, <laughs> it's like, that's funny. I, I look at that example now. That worked for my generation, but some of these younger generations, like, diesel, what? Like, <laughs> Unless you drive you mean a, electric electric cars, right? Yeah, unless you drive a big <laughs> truck, not many people are driving diesels anymore. That's funny. Now you apply this 
to your business. You apply this with your wife. You apply this with your kids. How do we as men start moving this, right? Not not all the guys who are listening are going to be able to go to Gallup. You said it's like 20 bucks for the five strings. So that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Right. But how can we start getting ourselves into this direction, right? Because this, this sounds like there's a lot of value to this. I'm, I'm hearing this. Like I said, yeah. now I got to go do some research and real, because I think this would add a lot to my relationship coaching. Um, For sure. So how I do I so. go and dig into this to apply it to myself and to my family? If you do the strengths, the strengths piece and people need help with that, they can reach out. But there's a lot of stuff that you can see online, uh, videos and stuff like that, where it talks about those, those strengths. But I think what I'd want to give your, your listeners is how to apply or do things uh, in a, in a more simple manner. Like, Hey, I don't have the money. I don't want to, I don't want to buy that stuff. I don't believe in that stuff, whatever it is. How can you be more intentional with your, with your family? I'll tell you a really quick story and then how you can apply this stuff. As a director of program, I, you know, I was, you know, managing and directing and always telling people what to do and blah, blah, blah. And so I was going through a really low point in my life during this time. And I remember going home and going through the garage and you open up the garage, it's the laundry room. And then from the laundry room, it goes into the living room and everything else. And I can hear my kids playing. They're probably four or five at the time. And they're, they're playing, you know, cars. You can hear like little, you know, Hot Wheels cars crashing and stuff like that. And then I can hear my wife talking to her mom over the phone pots and pans clanking and stuff. And uh, you can hear, yes, mom, I know, I know, I know. Yes, I will do that. And I'll call you and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, ooh, do I really want to walk into this situation? Because it's hectic. I had a bad day at work and now I'm coming into chaos and madness and like, I don't want to do this. And so I'd go into the house, you know, reluctantly and talking to my boys, like, why do you have all these toys? Why are there toys in the hallway? Like you're over here playing, but yet you have toys over here, like pick them up. And I'm thinking after they're four and five years old. Like they're going to be four and five years old. Like let them be four and five. So I'm like, pick this up. And I told you guys to pick this up before I left for work. And you know, who's mom on the phone with? And they're like, grandma. And I'm like, so why are you being so loud? And so I'm barking directions. Like I bark directions at work. And so, you know, I, I asked my wife, like, how can I help you? She's like, get the kids ready for, for dinner. And so I'm trying to get them washed up. And for days upon days, this was life. And I didn't want to come home at all. And so I would start to work longer so I wouldn't have to come home to this mess. And one night I was tucking my boys into into bed. And so I'm a, we're big believers of bring, taking them to bed and, and praying for them when they go to bed. And my younger son, man, he's awesome. He's he, His head hits the pillow. Before his head hits the pillow, he's snoring already. I'm like, how do you fall asleep so fast? Levi, on the other hand, my oldest, he was like, dad, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Like, he's going to try to milk staying up. Can I get some water? Can I go to the restroom? And he says, are you a boss? And I said, yeah, daddy's a boss. And he goes, and you're the boss of us? And I'm like, yes, I'm the boss of you. And you tell people what to do at work? And I said, yes. And he goes, is mommy a boss? And I'm like, yes. And he's, is, he the, is she the boss of us? And I'm like, what are you getting at? Like, you, let's go. Let's get to bed. And he's like, is mommy the boss of you? I'm like, you better go to bed because it's getting late and the boogeyman's going to come out of the closet if you're not careful. Like, just go to bed. Like, what is your point? And he says, so you're our boss. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, because you tell us what to do every day. Pick this up and pick this up and pick this up and go here and go there. And and uh, it hurt to hear that, that my son sees his dad as a boss and not as his father. 
And it killed me to see that my five-year-old son, who can't read at this point, sees his dad as a boss and not as a daddy, right? And so I was like, and I said, no, listen, mijo, I'm your dad, I'm your father, I'm going to teach you how to throw and how to catch and how to run and do this and do that. Like, I'm here for you. I'm here to be your teacher, your mentor, to help you, to love you. I'm not, I'm not your boss. And um, gave him a kiss. And then I started to think like, man, why do you, why do you come home with your director manager hat on? And then this epiphany came over. And as I started to read, you know, my Bible and I started to, you know, learn some other things from other mentors that I have that are fathers, it came up with this thing that I teach now. How do we come into the, the door, the office, the home? How do we enter situations with the right hat on? A football player doesn't go onto the field with a construction hat, right? A firefighter doesn't go in with a baseball cap on into a fire. Like if they were to do that, it would look stupid and silly. So how do we go in a situation with the right hat on? And as a father or as a man, we have a father hat, a husband hat, a boss hat, a podcaster hat. Like we have to be able to get into the right situation with the right hand, hat on. So how do we first, H, how do we handle what we hear? What am I hearing? I'm hearing the boys playing with the cars. My wife is sound stressed. So how do I handle what I hear? I'm going to go in, slide in on the ground and, you know, play cars with my with my boys. Like, okay, I'm this car. I'm this car. Maybe I go to my wife first and take the phone from her and say, you know, her mom's name is Francis. We call her Franny. Hey, Franny, how you doing? I got it. Finish. Or how do I say, go to the room, talk. I got dinner. How do I handle what I hear? How do I address a, uh, the situation with the, uh, how do I give attention with the right attitude, right? How do I go in being playful? What do my boys want me to be? They want me to be playful. They want me to be loving. They want me to be funny. They want to be, you know, they want me to be the whatever tickle monster or the big Godzilla person or whatever. Like how do they, how do I give the right attention with the right attitude? Who does my wife need me to be? She wants me to be helpful. She wants me to be comforter she wants me to be you know that that parent with her so how do I go and give her a kiss and say and help out that situation how to give the right attitude and then how do I t transform the temperature right I think it's John Maxwell that says are you you can be like a thermometer or you can be like a thermostat a thermometer tells you the temperature where a thermostat changes the temperature right so how do I change the temperature if things are getting a little heated how do I cool it down if things are, are the noise levels up here, how do I bring the noise level down here? If people are stressed out, how do I calm them down? So in every situation, it's going to call for a different hat. So as men, how do we go into our house? Or maybe we're writing up somebody at work. Maybe we are coaching our kid. Maybe we're mentoring our kid. Maybe we're on a date with our wife. How do I handle what I hear, give attention with the right attitude, and then how do I transform the temperature? How do I go into the situation that I just came from? What hat do I need to take off? And then how do I purposely think of the hat that I need to wear before I go into this next situation? I love it. I love it. Juan, where do people find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, it's Raise the Bar CEO, Raise with a Z. So I have a, a company called Raise the Bar. And so raises with a Z. Uh, so raise the bar CEO and then website would be we raise the bar.com. Okay. Guys, of course, we'll have 
links down below in the show notes, the description, whatever platform you're on, we'll make sure you can find one. What's, what's next for one? Wow. So I know offline, we were talking about an uh, events that you put on. I wanted to put on my own event. And so I'm putting on a, a in-person event. It might go virtual, uh, but we're putting on a, an event for how do we plan out our 2024? So how do we become better for our, in our family, our faith, our future, and our finances? And so it's just a personal development, professional development kind of shop that we're doing. And I just wanted to be able to help individuals become, again, better and intentional in everything that they do. So that's coming January 13th. And then just trying to speak as much as I can and help people as much as I can in uh, with Raise the Bar and at different conferences that I've been going to. So uh, that's that's it. And then rocking the podcast, man, helping out individuals as much as we can. You guys, we'll have links. If you want to like have one on your show or out to speak at your event or work with him in these things. We'll have a link for that as well to make sure you can find him on that. Now, on, I know you're dying to know what country ranks first in zero <laughs> per capita. Now, you said the USA. It's got to be the USA. The options were USA, Italy, Ireland, and Philippines. Surprisingly, per capita, Ireland is number one in zero <laughs> cereal consumption per capita. Wow. Right? Apparently they like their lucky charms. I'm sure I'm, I'm going to go to that. for that now. They're, I'm going to strike on <laughs> I thought the same thing. I'm sorry. I, I thought the same thing. Military guys don't have a privilege. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No filter. It's a totally different, <laughs> different kind of humor. Yeah, for sure. One, thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. It's been a great conversation. Now, I want to ask you this. If our audience heard nothing else you've said today, what do you want them to hear as we wrap the show up. Man, be intentional. Be intentional. And I would say be intentional with love. Not only love your spouse and love on your children, but love yourself. I told somebody the other day, as men, there's times where we can be, we can have an ego at times. We see somebody, a dude across the room, and this guy's looking at me, kind of giving the what's up, like what the hell are you looking at? And then it's like, all right, bro, bro, what the hell are you looking at? Like, this guy's got a problem. Like, if you can address a stranger, for something that you have no idea why he might be looking at you, whatever, you just kind of have attitude. Why are we not looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, bro, what are you looking at? Like, what what can I do different? Like, love on yourself. Be man enough to love on yourself. Love your spouse. And if you have kids, love on your children. Yeah. So be take time to be intentional. Guys, from the Fallible Man podcast, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you on the next one. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.